0: Welcome to another episode of Photo Geek Weekly. This is episode 152, recorded on June 24th of 2021. Uh, I'm your host, Don Kamerechka, to geek out about photo stuff on the Photo Geekery Show, because that's what we do every week. Uh, And if you're listening to this, you probably already know the format. But if you are new to this podcast, uh, thank you for listening. It's always me and a guest host. Uh, And uh, today... I am uh, very happy to say that Aunt Pruitt is rejoining the cast for another episode. Uh, Aunt, uh, he's a photographer. He's geeky. He can get totally hands-on and under the hood about anything technology-oriented, including photography. And he has his own uh, podcast to that end. So it's great to have you back on this program, Aunt.
1: Oh my man, I love how you threw in hands-on too. That's just just <laughs> perfect. Oh. It's like you planned that.
0: <laughs> I did not. It's just all off the cuff. But uh, I was thinking to mention, of course, your, uh, your podcast, Hands-On Photography. And, and of course, you, you do other things with the Hands-On uh, moniker, like uh, Hands-On Tech as well. That's uh, right. And there is a, uh, uh, I guess that's a premonition to part of what your pick of the week is going to be at the very end of this episode. But we'll get there when we get there. Um, yep. How are
1: you, man? I am unbelievable as always, my friend. What about you?
0: I'm good I'm good I, I lost a bit of productivity today in packaging and, and shipping out books because uh, the uh, the supplier uh, sent me the wrong thickness of foam that I wrapped <laughs> the books in before I put them in the box uh, and just before we started recording this they uh, delivered the new ones and, and we did the the swap so uh, okay. that was I mean it was it was a good day I mean I, I spent time with uh, with my daughter uh, so it's not not time wasted by any means but it just hasn't been as productive as a
1: day Daughter or do you mean your assistant?
0: <laughs> uh, you know what? <laughs> yeah. So, like, if, if I were to, especially uh, if I'm the only one at home and I decide to, to go and, uh, you know, package up books and, and, and whatever, uh, she always wants to help. And as soon as she's my assistant in that regard, it slows me down to about 50% uh, <laughs> of what I'd like to do. It's adorable. Don't get me wrong. But uh, usually when, when my wife is home, she can distract her and, and or I can. And neither one of us is going to be uh, doing a <laughs> logistical marathon there. But that's a bit of inside baseball. Nobody really cares about I the arrival it. of the new foam for my books. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, But hey, we got some pretty cool stories to uh, to get into today. And uh, um, uh, but before I do, uh, I just want to kind of put a a PSA public service announcement out there Um, this week. uh, Both myself and I know that uh, Steve Brazel, a frequent guest on this podcast, um, received an email, uh, sort of a phishing scam, somebody uh, purporting to be Amazon uh, that was uh, saying that, hey, take a look at your new uh, Amazon Prime order, uh, a camera. I think it was something like a 6D Mark II being shipped to uh, to some guy in the United States. Uh, and uh, to me, it immediately flagged me as, uh, as an issue because I don't have an Amazon Prime account in the United States. <laughs> um, but it looked pretty official, except all of the links were... Inactive, and there was a phone number, and I looked it up, and the phone number is is uh, linked to some fraud activity. Um, right. Just some background to everybody: be very careful about emails that you get that are purporting to be legitimate. I listen to on the Twitter network uh, security now all the time. And I hear about all sorts of ransomware attacks uh, yep. and they are targeting smaller and smaller organizations that don't have, uh, you know, government backing to go and take them down. So um, I don't know if it was that they just wanted to get my credit card information. I have no idea. But be extra vigilant out there, people. The Internet can be a scary place. And maybe maybe this is a reminder to check and see If there's a firmware update for your router, uh, make sure you've got your security patches all in place on your computer as well. Um, So yeah, people... uh, As
1: simple as making sure your passwords are reset and you're using a password manager. Just start there and some multi-factor authentication. I
0: mean... Uh, even just like Firefox has a built-in password manager, most mm-hmm. web browsers do now. To you don't have to get a, a third-party uh, tool for that if you don't want to. You can, and there are great ones out there. Uh, I use LastPass, but yep. um, just just be careful. Make sure that you don't use you know monkey one two three. But even if you use a complex password. Don't use it in multiple places, right? Uh, because if one site gets compromised, then that password can go into the the dark realm of the internet uh, and resurface. and And I've had that happen. Thankfully, whenever I can uh, turn on um, a second factor authentication, uh, I'll you know whether it be a text message or I prefer to have an uh, I've got an authenticator app, uh, which yep. is a little bit more solid. Um, I will occasionally, for those that don't use an authenticator, uh, get a, uh, a text message for some website and say, oh, well, that password is one that I missed, uh, yep. and I'm going to go to, you know, grc.com and use their password generator and, and come up with a much more robust password that I use only there and nowhere else. Um, but uh, yeah, just be protective. The, the internet can be a dangerous place sometimes. Indeed. Um, and I know that uh, there have been times when my my parents or even my grandparents um, they're uh, I, I believe hovering around ninety years old. Uh, oh, that's and awesome. My grandmother just got a tablet and just got on Facebook. Um, so. I mean, oh, for somebody that has, that has no, uh, knowledge of how scheming and, uh, manipulative people on the internet can be when they claim to be, I certainly hope people don't figure that out and pretend to be me and say, uh, hi grandma, I'm stuck in Argentina. Can you, uh, wire me, uh, you know, $5,000 through Western union? Um, you All know, right. th- 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 those, scams still exist out there too. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, anyhow. So scary. Um, Be safe, everybody. Um, And uh, and, uh, do you have anything to say before we get into the four stories that I've picked for this week?
1: No, I just want to say thanks for having me on. I love this show. I listen to it every single week. And I'm always just blown away with just how geek-tastic you are regarding (laughs) cameras and and just photography in general. It just just blows my mind how you really get into the nitty-gritty of the science. And again, congratulations to you on your book release, because this is absolutely beautiful.
0: Why, thank you. I know you've got a copy uh, (laughs) in your possession right now. And so I appreciate the compliments on that. Um, This week was a bit of a slow news week. um, But there were some very interesting and important stories to cover. And I figured I'd start off with one that might not be getting a lot of attention. It was reported on Petapixel and received exactly one comment. Um, yep. So I wanted to kind of shine a light on on this one. I think it's very important um, as consumers, as global citizens in general, uh, to have a frank discussion about. Um, The title is Canon, quote, locked up migrant workers in Taiwan amid COVID-19, says a report. The report is from the Financial Times and it's behind a paywall. So I wasn't able to read the entire report. So we're just going to go off of the synopsis that I have here on Petapixel. Um, And so uh, Financial Times reports uh, that according to internal documents and staff communications that it had seen, multiple electronics manufacturers, including Canon, so it's not just limited to them, um, have responded to the outbreak by forbidding migrant workers from leaving the dormitories where they live except to go to work and banning them from speaking to one another. Um, There's a lot to unpack with just that that statement. I mean, first of all, migrant workers, no matter where you are in the world, are typically going to be the lowest paid um, employees. You know, yeah. here in Canada, we have migrant workers that come from Mexico, uh, yeah. and, and they, they work in our farms. And I really wish they got paid more than they do uh a lot of it's under the table and it's just really unfortunate that it's so so dire i could imagine a migrant worker in taiwan uh is probably going to be even worse off than one in canada although i don't have any um, uh you know firsthand knowledge of of exactly what they get paid but i do know that other companies like foxconn um not only is the pay terrible, but they had to put up nets to prevent people from jumping to their deaths yeah, I outside that. of, uh, and hopefully they've made some reforms since then. But, you know, solving the problem by putting out nets is not solving the problem. Um, no,
1: but it's a, that's a whole different world. It's a whole different world over there. And I'm pretty sure I'm going to get a lot of heat about this, but I remember being in China a couple of years ago and just dealing with the, what is it? The, the, the great wall of internet China or something like that, the, where they the block great everything, of China. Yeah. the great firewall of China, where they block everything. And I, I was battling with that because I was over there for work um, and trying to get assistance about it. And, you know, everyone, the locals were just telling me, yeah, this is how it is. And when they said it, they said it with a smile, you know, there wasn't any type of, yeah, I wish I could get access to this and yada, yada, yada. They just, huh? Yeah, this is how it is. And, and they, they seem to be totally fine with it. And I had to think about it. I said, you know what? These people have been here all their lives. I'm just some visitor here. I can't sit here and just assume that they just got it really, really bad because this is the culture that they live in and, and they're, they're happy with it. Now regarding Foxconn and those work situations, uh, heck, you can look at any other country and start, talking about just the, the the notion of working most people look at americans as lazy <laughs> so
0: there are a good number of lazy americans and right. you are I not mean, one of them but
1: <laughs> yeah n- yeah they're not on this podcast right now but <laughs> but it's just um it's, it's just a whole different world and, and so i try not to be super critical About things, but I I will say, hey, no, putting nets out there does not solve the problem. You need to dig a little bit deeper.
0: So uh, I'll continue reading from from the article here. As part of their work agreement with migrants, employers are usually legally required to provide them with housing accommodations and food. Uh, But reportedly, uh, most outsource those services to brokers, And companies who try to keep the cost as low as possible and will sometimes cram up to 12 people into a room together. Um, With the need for migrant workers uh, was clearly high, discrimination against them is reportedly systemic and the COVID-19 outbreak has only made it worse. In an attempt to prevent further spread of the disease, Taiwanese health, uh, health authorities have ordered companies to take certain steps, such as preventing workers from clustering together while on the job. Uh, but the Financial Times reports that companies are going well beyond those rules and are employ- imposing harsh restrictions on workers. Some employers who are not specifically named by the publication, mm-hmm. and that's a bit uh, you know, suspect. I mean, you know who they are. Why aren't you saying? Right. But um, have been accused of scaring immigrants with threats. If they were to die from COVID-19, their bodies would be immediately cremated. Their families would not be able to see them and the family's finances would be immediately cut off. I mean, this is, this is tragic, but this relates to us because we enjoy, you know, the latest gadgets. We, We enjoy the latest cameras and lenses and phones and, uh, Any technology that we have usually comes from a factory in Taiwan, you know, uh, China, the Philippines, Malaysia, you know, a lot of these countries um, are where the manufacturing hubs are. Yeah, you know, Canon has... uh, uh, silicon, uh, fabrication facilities in Japan, I believe they've got three of them there and, uh, and Japan yep. probably has much better working conditions, uh, for those workers, but that doesn't mean everything that they manufacture is made in Japan. Clearly this is in Taiwan where these issues, uh, are coming to bear. And I mean, I, I get it. Uh, We want to have the best things, but also the cheapest they can possibly be. Uh, And thereby, the manufacturing tends to go to where the cheapest workforces are. Um, But if I knew which company was, uh, you know, threatening the immediate cremation of my body if I died from COVID-19 so that my family couldn't say their farewells. I would be really tempted to cut all ties with said company or brand if I was like, if that was, if that was Canon, uh, yeah. and I was a Canon shooter, it yeah. would seriously make me reconsider my choices of aligning myself with that particular brand. Uh, and, and, now and, and, they're not saying who that was. And, and because of that, I don't think it was necessarily Canon. But, um, the fact is that there's this overreach, especially when people need to protect this global structure right this international okay people buying things in north america or europe but it's got to be manufactured in a number of asian countries and you've got to keep those supply chains moving and one crack in that makes the whole thing crumble i get it but i don't agree with it and i i would like to find us a way out of this
1: you know this this story here it it my problem is I, I know I try to oversimplify a lot of things when it comes to these civil issues like this. And the first thing that popped in my head was um, was actually two things. Back when the pandemic first started out, um, 2020, do you remember the stories of, of China going around and pretty much welding doors shut yeah. at homes? Um, as horrific as that sound, uh, it it helped it helped their numbers. It, it helped. I mean, you could see on the map, the sky was clearing out because people were staying home and it got better there. And then you look I over here remember. in California where I am and California shut down totally. And is just now coming back to life, if you will, um, for the pandemic. And this state has just been a mess since then. Um, it has been a l- lot of people out know, of work. A lot of people can't go back to work because their jobs shut down for good. Um, so it, that was the first couple things that popped into my head. But at the same time, I also thought that when we're dealing with these large corporations, we have to remember that they are run by human beings and human beings have greed <laughs> and human beings won't profit. And human beings will do it by any means necessary at that level. They've proven it over and over again, whether it's Canon, whether it's Amazon, whether it's Sony, they're all doing these unbelievable things to try to save a buck here and there, uh, paying people way too little because those people don't really have much of a choice. Um, and Amazon is notorious for that. Uh, so it, I saw this, and you, you said that there's only one comment on there, and it's, and it's probably because, huh, yeah, that's just another day in this world, unfortunately.
0: It is. Now, um, I want to touch on a couple of things that you mentioned. Um, uh, n- number one, I, I would not want to uh, have a door welded shut. Um, yeah. You know, I, I would wish to have my freedoms, uh, yeah. and we live in a free society, but that society also has rules, it has laws. Yep. And if I violate them because there is a public health order in place, I should suffer the consequences under the full extent of that law. And yeah. uh, I haven't seen those been properly enforced. I mean, when the pandemic just first started, mm-hmm. uh, and we're in a much better uh, shape right now uh, yep. with uh, fantastic vaccine rollouts finally coming to Ontario, at least. Um, but everything was a ghost town. Right. Like everybody stayed home. There was fear. Um, But but then as things kind of went into the summer, the fear started to disappear. Um, And now, even though we still have uh, some fairly strict lockdown measures in place right now, at least in my Mm -hmm. area, um, uh, people just don't care. Uh, and you know, you hear massive house parties when we're, we're out for a walk and, um, you know, you see massive gatherings on the beaches that, that I stay away from, um, uh, just because I want to be part of the solution to help us get out yeah. of this thing. Right. Um, but not everybody thinks that, and I understand that there's mental health aspects and there's so many facets to this, um. And, uh, so from that point of view, I would like to have my freedoms, but if I, if I choose to violate the rules because I have the ability to do so, and that ability is not taken away from me, then I, I, I suffer, uh, at the hands of whatever the punishment is, whether it be a fine or what have you, mm-hmm. I would prefer that so long as it's properly enforced. But, um, you know, uh, there's a reason why I printed my latest book in Canada. I, I could have printed it in China. Uh, In fact, there's some great printing facilities uh, in China or neighboring countries uh, that could have produced the book in a near identical quality for much less money. But where are you actually saving the money? It's on the labor force. And I do not want to contribute to uh to the 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 poverty that a lot of these people necessarily face and i I don't mean to be virtue signaling here i mean i want to be a part of this solution that everybody should be a part of and if i could pay a premium to have my camera or my lens made in uh canada or the united states i mean apple made their mac pro in 2013 in the u.s and it was one of their first it was assembled in the u.s i'm assuming Mm -hmm. parts came from all over the world um but I, I wouldn't mind paying a small premium on all of my electronic gadgets if it meant that the quality of life of the people that are actually producing it um, is higher. And and maybe that's me with a, a sense of privilege because I am not impoverished myself and I can afford to pay a little bit more. Um, but I, I'm not going think- to say
1: that's the case. I'm going to say it's more along the lines of you're not your average human being here. Uh, most people are going to try to. Uh, they want to buy something that they want to buy for as little as possible, and then let's not bring up uh, art into this because people want art, but they they don't even want to pay for art. So, uh, you know, I,
0: well hey, you you brought it up, Aunt, because <laughs> I uh, mean,
1: it's just we're we're not going to be able to get people to pay that premium like you did to help support your local economy. It's just that's just not the nature over here, at least not in the U S it's just not.
0: Well, and you know, when people buy art, they often buy the artist, right? You know, you're Mm -hmm. buying into the brand and the personality of the person that created that artwork and not necessarily just that piece of art. Um, and I, I, you know, I really want everybody to, to understand that, you know, when I, um, like when I do an art show, I am on 100% of the time. Like, I don't have a chair to sit down. I am standing. They're very long days. My feet are like swollen by the end of it. My voice is coarse because I've been telling the same story enthusiastically to everybody that's come by uh, in order to elicit a sale. Um, But it's not that I'm trying to do a hard sell. I'm just trying to be enthusiastic about my work uh, to every single person that comes by. Because as soon as they see the enthusiasm and hear the story behind the work and maybe see a behind the scenes image of how something was made, they have a greater connection to the work. And that connection isn't the work itself. The connection is me. Uh, And so you know, from that perspective, the internet does a disservice to creatives because it often disassociates your personality from your work. Somebody Mm -hmm. does a Google search to try and discover uh, something that they might be looking for. Uh, One of my uh, most infringed images uh, I call maple leaf flag is (laughs) uh, is red maple leaves on a bed of fresh snow uh, in the shape of the Canadian flag. And we're coming up on Canada Day and that's one of the days where it most commonly becomes infringed and i've spent some time uh in in the wee hours uh you know after i've got the books out for the day and i've been going and sending takedown notices uh i had a bit of time today i I sent around 30 of them to facebook alone today uh just by using different searching algorithms and trying to uncover more and more to stop the spread in infringement and i send the takedown notices for personal, uh, like non-commercial entities. Right. Um, but if you're a commercial entity and you're using my work to, you know, shout out about your Canada day sale, um, that's not going to get a takedown notice. That's it's going to get go an invoice. I hope. Well, no, that's going to go to my lawyer. Uh, And I I try actually not to deal with that stuff personally uh, because I've heard some vitriolic, awful, awful commentary from people that would just keep me up at night. Uh, You know, I'd have a stomach ulcer from stress if I dealt with a lot of that personally. I appreciate
1: Um, that you went through this last week on the show and talked about the different services that you use to help, you know, scrape the internet looking for it to you know to take yeah, a little bit and, off your plate
0: and, and when i when i sent out the uh the, the notice uh you know I, I i talked about it on twitter as i mentioned and uh i got a, a a email back from somebody that had infringed on my image and long story short they have since just purchased a canvas print for their cottage from me um, uh, and so sometimes you do have that uh, that a happy ending uh, from a very uh, unfortunate starting point, but uh, we kind of got off the rails from where we were originally going with this particular. Uh, I'm sorry, I, story. I'm, I'm no, so
1: I could be so argumentative on certain things. I know, my bad. <laughs> I, I the,
0: the thing is. If I say to myself, how do I, how do, I do better? Uh, how do I convince electronics manufacturers to, to change their ways? Well, obviously, they're not going to move these billion-dollar facilities to other countries. Um, but if we shine a light on how they're treating their employees uh, and send an angry letter to companies that you know that have been misbehaving in this way, enough people rising up against this behavior uh, will change it. And yeah, it might cost Canon their profits a little bit, but they're making money. Uh, yep. you know, they, they, they can afford to pay people a living wage and treat them like human beings.
1: Yep. I agree. Um, so. And they did uh, respond and put out a statement on this, on this. Matter yeah. Well.
0: And so, and I'll read their statement um, As all so,
1: PR companies do.
0: <laughs> it says, we cannot deny that the content and expression we used were excessive in some parts, uh, as a result of focusing too much on the safety of employees and the community, Cannon said in a statement to the publication, uh, uh, Financial Times. Um, in response to questions raised from within and outside the company, we have revised the content on June 18th in accordance with government advisory, which really doesn't say anything. Um, it, it basically said, uh, you know, whoops are bad. Uh, but it doesn't go to addressing it in any possible way. There, yep. There's no uh, there's no the compensation. PR, PR the
1: handbook, page one. <laughs> acknowledgement. Yeah. And that was it. Adno- exactly. No, it was more of an acknowledgement that they know someone's looking at us. So, yeah. It's right. an right. Acknowledgement of guilt.
0: This is true. <laughs> um, let's take another uh, look at that PR handbook, shall we, Ann, for the next <laughs> story here? Um customer finds peak designs, customer service claims misleading. Um, and so this involves the peak design travel tripod, which I actually love as, uh, a, as a product. It's very well designed. Uh, it's my favorite tripod. The head leaves a bit to be desired for me, to be honest. I mean, um, I, it, it, seems a little bit too simplistic and I don't like the fact that the locking mechanism and unlocking mechanism of the, um, uh uh of the, of the camera uh quick release plate and mm-hmm. the ball head go in the same direction uh and you know they're so i can accidentally and i've they done this, cause
1: accidents there
0: uh i've accidentally undone both of them at the same time um but anyhow uh a photographer, uh, a photographer questioning Peak Design's messaging and recommendations for its service products thanks to an experience he had with the Peak Design travel tripod. After dropping it, he took issue with Peak Design's customer service. They told him he needed to replace it, um, but he shows that it was replaceable. Did Did you watch this video, Ant?
1: I didn't watch the video. I read the story, and to the, to this customer's credit, I like that they tried to go about things the quote-unquote right way yeah and andrew just, leonard uh
0: yeah. and uh he, he goes by uh, emergent technology online uh he uh he took that advice to heart and bought a new head right yeah okay i mean what are you gonna do that's what the company's telling you to do yeah. um but then you got the old one you're just gonna chuck it no you're gonna right. take it apart All right, right? You're, gonna,
1: you're gonna be like don Kamareshka and <laughs> just see what wh- how many bolts are in here how many screws yeah <laughs>
0: And it turns out it's completely user serviceable um, well, to a savvy user that knows how to use a screwdriver and remember where the screws go. I mean, if you have ever replaced the screen on a phone and you can follow the instructions from iFixit or what have you, you could easily disassemble something like this and uh, and, and find your own solution. Turns out um, that. Peak Design's idea of, uh, you know, kind of launching some compressed air into whatever crevice you could find would have probably actually made things worse. Mm-hmm. And all it needed was just a little bit of cleaning. Uh, you know, it was some grime, some sand that kind of got in the wrong place. And you take it apart, you clean it, wipe it down, re-lubricate things that need to be lubricated, put it back together, and you're fine. Yep. Um, I, I like when companies allow me to do that uh great case in point uh venus optics the um they make the layo series of lenses and i bought the uh, 100 millimeter macro when they had first announced it i got it in the canon ef mount uh, because it had automatic aperture control but when i tried to mount that on my lumix bodies it didn't play nice it just kept spazzing open and closed and giving me lens communication errors so i talked to a rep at uh at venus optics and they said if you're up for it, I will send you an updated auto, um, uh, uh, aperture, uh, control mechanism. Uh, if you feel like you can take the lens apart and put it back together. And I did, it wasn't that hard. Um, you know, it, it took me all of five minutes to replace the circuitry inside the lens, but no other company is going to do that. No, no Canon or Nikon or Sony, uh, is going to allow you to, uh, you know, with their, um, uh, uh, with their blessing, take well, apart well, their Well, people lenses. are really
1: protective of their IP too. You know, Peak Design, they pride themselves a lot on engineering more so than anything when it comes to their products. Yes, they have um, camera straps, but they they take a lot of pride in just how they machine those straps and machine those little eyelets to work a certain way to make things easier for photographers. And this tripod is no different. I mean, there's, pretty daggum meticulous about the design and engineering on it. So yeah, I could see them saying, you know what? No, just, just, just leave it be. Let us, let us touch it. Don't, don't touch it.
0: But I tell you what I'm going to be replacing that tripod head with. Um, I have in my possession a (sighs) pre-production sample of the platyball. And, uh, they, they, sent me one, uh, Larry at, uh, at platypod, Dr. Uh, Larry T, D- Dr. Larry T, wonderful <laughs> man. And this is probably one of the best tripod heads I've ever had my hands on. Um, obviously it's going to be bigger than the compact one in the travel tripod, but not so much so that it doesn't prove it's worth. Right. Um, they gave me one to beat on, like to just abuse. I mean, not like trying deliberately to break it, but not to be nice with it. Right, and so, like I n- knocked it off of tables onto hard floor and uh you know, put it into extreme heat conditions and threw it in my freezer for a while that goes down to about minus thirty degrees Celsius and uh, just to see what conditions might break it, try to completely over tighten it and then just kind of try to you know what I should try to tighten it as tight as it can go and just like hit this and then part hit it hit with a baseball bat or something to see if I can get it to move and and maybe I'll I'm trying to break this thing and right. I can't break this thing. Um, I know they're still in pre-production and they're, they're refining things and they, they gave me one for feedback to that end to see if I could find any way that they could possibly improve it. That's awesome. I can't, um, so, but then again, I'm looking at this product. I don't even see a screw or anything. I would have no idea how to take this thing yeah. apart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm sure that if there was an issue, I could send it back to, uh, to, to Larry and and he would, he would know how to get into this thing. Um, but anyhow, that, uh, that platyball, uh, for anybody that is curious, I, I don't necessarily want to make it a, a pick of the week right now. Cause unless you were in the Kickstarter campaign, you can't order one, I yeah. guess, until they're shipping. Uh, and I need to spend more time with it and, uh, and actually use it in the field. But, uh, my initial impressions are, this is probably the best tripod head that, that I've ever had. Yeah. Um. So there's a there's a plug for that, I suppose. I'm I'm glad I'm glad companies will say, "Hey, Don, do you want to try to destroy our product?" Um, I mean,
1: <laughs> well, it's, it's less expensive R and D for those companies too, quite frankly. Um,
0: I suppose so. Yeah, if you catch something early enough uh, that doesn't become a big problem down the road, mm-hmm. then uh, then you know, you nip it in the bud, as uh, as they say. Um, so back to the peak design, uh, you know, moniker of, uh, can't be fixed, uh, sealed unit, uh, you know, uh, discard it. I I feel bad that kind of piggybacking off of the first story that so much of our consumer, uh, material possessions these days are disposable. There's planned obsolescence in so many things rather than fix it, you just get a new one because the cost of fixing it often costs more than buying more, a new one. Yeah. And th- that's been the case for years. I mean, that was the case with cheap VCRs, uh, yep. ba- back in the nineties, right?
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, I've got a printer on my desk, a uh, Canon mega tank printer that, uh, I thought would last me forever, except I realized too late that, uh, print cartridges on your regular printers that, you know, you, Pay a lot for the cartridge the print head is on the cartridge yeah. so in the mega tank ones the print heads don't get replaced and so eventually that's going to wear out and you're just going to have a paperweight of a printer and yep. it's not like replacing the ink is going to do anything. And so it just stopped functioning, but there was an even worse moment when it started spitting out errors that the, um, uh, the ink absorption pads inside the printer had completely filled and it needed an authorized Canon service repair technician in order to replace them. <laughs> and that service call would cost more than the printer's worth.
1: Yeah. There, is a
0: bu- yeah there's a button ballet you can press that's undocumented anywhere unless you have the canon authorized service manual uh for it, and I'm really hurting on Canon today I'm sorry but <laughs> uh, but so you do that you know that secret button press code uh after repeatedly turning the printer on and off and pressing different things throughout it, you get to clear the error, and the printer works perfectly fine. There's no <laughs> problem with the printer. is there Konami at all.
1: code for Canon?
0: Exactly. Uh, So, and they have different ones for different printers and it's just, it's so convoluted. And that planned obsolescence, I think is quite bothersome because I would like things to last as long as they possibly can and fix them if they break, if I have the ability to do it.
1: Again, it's all about profits. It's all about profits.
0: Yeah. I'm sure that a lot of, uh, you know, if you can replace the... Um, the, the, like the cartridges that, that there's the a reason why they call like toner cartridges, black gold, because it's probably worth more, uh, than, than gold is by, by weight. Mm-hmm. So anyhow, um, let's go from one type of, uh, consumerism to another in our next story, because we had an announcement today, uh, from Microsoft on June 24th, they have announced windows eleven. And uh, I figured, you know, we didn't really cover much of the WWDC uh, stuff. And now Microsoft is doing a new announcement of their next operating system. So I figured, let's take a look at some of the details that were in this announcement, how it might compare to Apple for creatives, uh, and what's the path forward in terms of I mean, we all use computers, right? There's an operating system behind it. Uh, What are the advantages to updating to the latest one, Uh, staying with what you've already got, uh, or how it can improve our lives in some way? Uh, You watched the announcement today with the Mm -hmm. Twitch coverage. Mm -hmm. Uh, what What was your takeaway?
1: My take on it is Microsoft is just trying to do something to be a little bit more hip and sexy because that's what, the, the Apple world is doing um, what they offered today didn't necessarily say this is a improved version of Windows. It just says this is a new skinned version of Windows. At least that's what I saw. Um, you moved your start menu in in taskbar to the center to be a dock similar to how it is in OS X or. Whatever they call their operating I'm system, I'm
0: sure I'll find a registry edit to turn it back to the way it is.
1: You know, uh, right? It, <laughs> you get all of that. You get some curved display, uh, curved uh, windows, and just sort of rounded off things, just to to make things a little bit prettier. I will note that I noticed the um, the animation performance was totally different, and again, that's more. Apple-like, where everything seems to be a little bit more on the Bezier side of movement instead of just straight-up linear movement, and that's just eye candy, but that's not functionality, you know. Um, so they
0: did say that functionally, it should have a lesser overhead. Um, and, and I don't know exactly how they're going to, to do that. <laughs> I mean, it's like getting those little bath fitters that, you know, have your old falling apart bathtub and you just put a new skin over top of it and Hey, it looks great, but you know, your existing problems are still, still there, there underneath.
1: All right. Uh, time will tell. You know how with windows installs, uh, after several months, you get a bit of cruff and things start to slow down. And so, I just hope they prove me wrong. I I don't know about a performance increase just yet. I just saw something that just looks better.
0: I I think that this is a great opportunity uh, for Microsoft behind the scenes to start taking advantage of all of the extra uh, instruction sets that were put into the latest generations of processors. Um, So I'm not sure exactly how efficient, you know, AVX 512 instructions are for an operating system. I mean, that's more like video encoding stuff or Mm -hmm. decoding, but there might be a potential there um, in order to alleviate some of these issues um, that you don't want to build into your current operating system because you could then cancel out hardware that currently uses it that is now, for some reason, incompatible. This happened partway through the lifecycle of Windows 7, I believe, um, where certain processors just couldn't get the updates anymore. Um, So I think it would make sense if you're going to do a complete rebrand and revisioning to add right from the beginning the notion that, yeah, we are going to take all of the latest tech in the latest processors um, and make that something mandatory. So a computer from three, four years ago, might not make the cut. And uh, and, and, you'll, and you'll still have the support uh, of Windows 10, because they've got their uh, uh, 2H21 version of Windows 10 coming out very soon. It's in the uh, Windows Insider program, and, and I'm sure that'll roll out and be, uh, you know, it'll survive for a long time with updates, uh, but you might not get the advantages that come with Windows 11. And so I think that that's a good demarcation point Mm -hmm.
1: along the way. I Um, will say this though, regarding either operating system, whether it's Microsoft or or Apple, if I'm sitting at this desk that I'm speaking to you from right now, this is my workstation. I'm here to do work. I don't want to see my operating system. I just want to see whatever application that I am in at the time. And... (laughs) I famously said that back on my very first appearance at um Twit when I when I moved here. I was tasked to host Windows Weekly for a day. And I thought it was a prank, but it wasn't a prank. So I sat down to, to host Windows Weekly with, with um Miss Mary Joe Foley and Mr. Paul Thorott. And I said right guys. then, I was like, y'all, I don't really fuss about Windows because most of the time I'm in a full screen app. So I don't see everything else that's going on. I'm just trying to make sure my app works. And as soon as I said that, the device that I was using during the show just totally shut down because it went into update mode. (laughs) 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 Just went into update mode. So I went about half an hour because this happened on a patch Tuesday. uh, I went about half an hour without a device because this thing was just, the operating system was doing what it needed to do. That's...
0: Uh, I love the irony, um, but <laughs> but the operating system changes that they have made a few things to um, alleviate the, um, uh, or, or make it more just transparent and fluid. One of them was changes to docking. Yeah. I'm on a Surface Book 3 and I'm connected to a 4K monitor that I usually have, my, you know, my Photoshop, my big applications there on the big screen, usually email and um, whatever else is on the small one. But when I undock, say I want to, you know, just go sit in the backyard and write some emails there, um, it moves all of the, all of the uh, windows open change. windows yeah. to the small screen all up front. Uh, and then when I reconnect uh, the dock, uh, well, I've got to move them all you back. Drag home. them, yeah. Uh, So they've changed that. If you undock, it minimizes all of the windows on the screen that has been disconnected. And as soon as you reconnect the dock, all of those windows go back to where they were
1: before. Uh, What do they call it? Snap groups. I believe that was the term. uh,
0: That was a different uh, thing that's related to the docking uh, where you can create different groups and different desktops as well based on what mode you're in, you know, gaming mode or work mode, what have you. Um, So that was kind of neat to see.
1: Do you use virtual desktops? I don't.
0: Nope. I don't, I don't have a, a reason for that. So it's just, it's, I, I'm sure that if I was uh, really trying to find a way that it would improve my workflow, then I might find something,
1: but. Um, Many years ago in my IT days, um, I, I ended up doing multiple desktops. I would set up a desktop for the dev environment and a test, a desktop for test and a desktop for production. And that was pretty much the only time I found it useful, but even that just sort of went by the wayside because monitors got bigger and I could just mount windows uh, wherever I needed to mount them to be right. this server and that server and things like that. So uh, I know a lot of uh, enterprise people love virtual desktop environments, but I, I, again, that's just not something that trips my trigger anymore.
0: Well, something that was interesting in this uh, conference that wasn't related to photography or creative workflows at all, but can be, they were talking about gaming and they mentioned mm-hmm. the direct storage API, uh, which is rolled out in the latest uh, hardware for Xbox. Um, but basically what it allows you to do, and it's going to be in Windows 11, uh, will you uh, if you have a high-end graphics card and a uh, high-end PCIe 3.0 NVMe SSD, which is just acronym SALAD, Um, (laughs) but you you got a solid state uh, NVMe, uh, non-volatile memory express protocol, which is what they all are pretty well these days, um, on the latest, um, uh, or at at least a PCIe 3.0 or faster, because we're up to four now. Um, If you have that, with a compatible graphics card, probably one of the newer ones, um, the data doesn't have to go through the CPU. It can go directly to the graphics card. Uh, And so the CPU can sometimes be a bottleneck in that regard. And that can free the CPU up to do other things, or it could just be faster to bypass it entirely. Um, For gaming, that's important. But a lot of creative workflows are now GPU dependent. Say if you're editing 6K, 8K video, um, Mm -hmm. a lot of uh, video processors, uh, like I use uh, Adobe Premiere, and they've got their Mercury engine, and so they do a lot of the rendering right on the GPU. Uh, What if the GPU had direct access to that data that I was storing on a super fast SSD just as a workspace for this particular project Hmm. um, that could really speed stuff up, especially if the system might have a slightly slower CPU or is bound to that in some way, especially as the amount of data throughput goes higher and higher, because it won't be long before we'll see uh, higher bit rates for 8K video uh, or 10K, 12K. I mean, 12K is out there already. So Yeah, but uh, we
1: also need to depend on the developers, the app developers, to ah, be yes. able to put that stuff in place, you know, because you just it's recently read about happen. Photoshop. And yeah. <laughs> it's, it's wonderful <laughs> use of one core <laughs> on the processors, though.
0: So. I, I will continue to uh, to beat on Adobe over that until they fix it. And so I expect that to be well into my retirement. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, uh, Creative Cloud is now going to be available in the Microsoft Store. They're changing that environment. But yeah. part of that store um, revision is that you will now have, and this was interesting, access to run Android apps in Windows through Intel bridge technology, um, which I'm not sure is going to be terribly meaningful for a lot of people, but I have wanted for a long time to be able to make Instagram updates from my desktop.
1: That's the only thing that got my attention (laughs) because right now it's sort of hacky for me to do that. Uh, I'll do it through the browser and change the browser settings and stuff like that so So. the
0: browser thinks that you are on a mobile device and and so on so that you can get access to it but uh now you hopefully you won't have to do that i my workaround was just emailing the text and the image that i wanted to to post on instagram to myself right and then open that up on my phone copy and paste it and and put it up there that way uh so that might save me i don't know three minutes of my life every time I want to do that. Um, but every bit of efficiency we can find is a helpful thing. So, um, that was the windows 11 announcement from what we know, uh, right now, they say that it should be available hopefully before the end of this year, but we don't have any firm dates on that. Um, I was actually hoping for an announcement of of office 2021 and what they're doing there, but that might come later. Uh, always trying to be as productive as possible. Um, how do you think that these these tools are being adapted for creatives I mean uh, Apple has long promoted themselves as being the platform for creatives yeah I really didn't hear much to the creative workflows in their latest announcements either like it just seems like everything's yeah put a little bit of extra polish here and there but we're not going to we, we we can't reinvent this right now at this stage in the game.
1: Yeah, because that's, that's all that they can do at this moment because they're still going to need a lot of support from the developer side. Um, I know Wacom tries to do a lot with Microsoft and making things easier for people with the PIN input. Um, I believe it's been a couple of years since they had that partnership with, um, what is it, Windows Inc.? Is that what it's called? I Something like that. Now.
0: Um, but they did announce that it, they will be able to replace the, uh, the, the wonderful, um, uh, surface pen that I have with one that actually has a haptic response. Yeah. Uh, so I guess they just put the little, um, uh, vibrating thing in the pen itself. Um, so that, you know, when I touch on something or I do something with the, 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 the pen, I get an actual bit of feedback on that, yeah. which could be nice. Yeah. Um, uh, but it's still, I, that, that's just fluff. It's not any extra, you know, true functionality at the end of the day. Nope. Um, speaking about, uh, you know, functionality and things, I, I don't know, Microsoft had their, uh, Neo product. Samsung had the galaxy fold. Um, there's a lot of devices that have been either announced, recalled in development, never released, um, kind of this weird environment of a dual screen tablet or mobile device, um, And our final story brings this to Samsung as they've patented, um, uh, uh, sorry, the petapixel title here is Samsung patents describe methods that solve two camera limitations, specifically with devices that are foldable, uh, where you might have to, you know, have cameras in so many different orientations when it's closed and open in different uh, ways. You don't want to have like 10 cameras on the device in different ways. So in the image from this patent, uh, it shows this little cylinder off on the side that uh, purports to have possibly multiple cameras on it that can rotate and swing around based on the orientation of the device. My very first thought was, nope, that's going (laughs) to (laughs) break. No, don't want that. (sighs) Is this a viable solution? I mean, in some way, I want it to be because I want, like one set of really good cameras in my device rather than a company having to put two sets of cameras based on the angle that the device is facing or how it's oriented that are suboptimal or that raise the cost of the device, right?
1: Right, but I will say this, To, to, to Samsung's credit, I appreciate them actually thinking about this. I just think they should think through it a little bit more because the last thing average consumers need are moving parts, uh, on a phone. It's just, just not going to work out so well, especially after dropping, I would assume this would be another $1,500 us, um, device right out the gate. So you put in a bunch of moving parts in this expensive device, that's not going to bode well.
0: But what if it was magnetically controlled? And I don't know if the patent describes this, but right. um, you can rotate something with magnets. I yeah. mean, you can move trains with magnets. Magnets can do a lot of things. Right. Um, so if, if you could rotate it with magnets, but magnets are also what's holding it in place. Then if you accidentally knock into it, it can knock off like a MagSafe connector on, on, on an Apple device, right? Yeah. Without damaging anything. And you can just put it back on and it knows its orientation and it can still move around and do its thing. Uh, which would also mean that it becomes modular. So um, Hmm. if they made this as a standard unit across multiple devices or generations of devices, um, then you could have an updated camera or cameras for specific purposes that kind of fit in this little cylindrical spot that are controlled by the same, uh, mechanics, you know, because it would be a universal, um, sort of, uh, plug and play. The software knows what's there. The camera protocols are all the same. Uh, that is where something like this would have merit for me. Um, it would have to be designed so that it was deliberately detachable and that moving parts were just magnetic in, okay. in design.
1: Uh, I, that's a fair design. Um, Google tried that. I believe it was Project Tango. Um, Was it Project Tango? But Google tried the idea of modularity with smartphones and being able to take cameras out just with a clip or a magnet. And it went nowhere. But then again, that's Google. A lot of things. Yeah, there's a lot of things when you
0: say Google tried that. (laughs) I mean,. Uh, I, I would not want to be somebody that uh, wrote an instructional book on Google Wave or Google right. Plus or kill I mean, yeah, you write this you know four thousand uh, you know word essay on this wonderful piece of technology that uh, evaporates in thin air, you know, and and all support or infrastructure or accessories or what have you. Google is known to drop things so quickly without notice or change things dramatically uh, that that. Google is Google. Uh, Let's just give them that, that uh, I would have expected nothing less (laughs) for Project Tango, (laughs) if that's what it was called, to to not amass anything.
1: I can't remember for sure, but it was a weird project name.
0: But I I think that if this was done right and it became a hallmark of the flagship devices um, that uh, that you would have this option, I, I think it could work. I really think that if it was properly engineered, this could be something really valuable. Um, But eh, I I don't know if we're going to get there.
1: You know, even without this whole movable camera thing, I'm still I like the idea of the foldable phones. But I've yet to to settle on a a, an implementation that I think will just is there to last. I thought Microsoft got it right with their. Duo, what was it called? I believe it was the Duo. And it had the split screen, so you didn't really get a lot of uh, wear and tear on the actual screen itself because it had right. a, a, a split there. Uh, Huawei, their foldable phone was beautiful. I was able to play with that two years ago at CES. Um, but again, I just had concerns about just the mechanics of it just wearing the out over time, over time because people just people are people and they're going to keep opening and closing and opening and closing. And eventually just tears up so um, long
0: as the average person uh it'll last four or five years um which means that the 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 manic ocd people it'll last two or three years yeah um that are constantly opening it up and closing it again um then so long as it lasts through that two-year warranty period uh, they're fine right right uh, that's, that's you know, the hope and, <laughs> uh and yeah I'm going to give it another couple of generations before I I look very seriously at a dual screen. Oh, you're just um, so pragmatic, jeez. You know what? <laughs> but if they did come up with something truly revolutionary that changed the game with this little uh, modular, and it would ha- to, to me, it would have to be modular, yeah, um, ca- camera device, um, then I would be I'd be all for it because I could. Swap that out for an infrared camera to do some crazy stuff or stereoscopic 3D or, you know, the geeky stuff Mm -hmm. I get on to. um, Or this little cylinder design actually uh, could behave nicely to a lot of patents we've seen in the past few years for a periscope style telephoto lens. Uh, It just would have all the space required to do that. Um, Or maybe even because the little cylinder goes all the way to the top of the device. Have the top be the lens, yep. right? And so you just have that really long space. You don't have to use a mirror in that design. And yeah, you're going to have to be like holding the device on a, on a weird angle in order to make that work. So maybe that's a
1: non-starter. Yeah, I was going to say, but who <laughs> wants to do
0: that? <laughs> hey, Who wants to hold up an iPad uh, or a large tablet device to take a photo at any famous monument? Yet you see people doing it yeah, all the time sure. and their photo is not memorable one bit people do silly things with their mobile devices and that's not going to go away anytime soon so true (laughs) (laughs) all right well before we get into our picks of the week um and where can people find you online and your wonderful uh you know programs and shows that you do
1: well you can always find me on the social media world at twitter i am uh ant underscore pruitt on twitter and i'm also ant underscore pruitt on instagram but I would really appreciate it if you go and check out my show, Hands-On Photography. It's available on all of the podcast applications out there. Or you can just go to the website, twit.tv slash hop. It's twit.tv slash H-O-P for Hands-On Photography.
0: And without any spoilers, I might show up on an episode of Hands-On Photography at some point in the future, correct?
1: I hope so anyway. <laughs> <laughs>
0: We'll leave that where it is. Uh, wheels are in motion behind the scenes. But, um, and thank you for, for being here and for the the content that you produce on uh, hands-on photography, but oh, also uh, on hands-on tech. And mm-hmm. uh, so that kind of lends into your pick of the week um, because uh, you did a review of your yeah. pick and I watched it earlier today and it was a really well done, thorough review uh, in terms of ergonomics and functionality and, you know, the, the finished results. So what do you got for me?
1: Yeah, thank you for that. Um, it's the Blackmagic Design but Pocket Cinema Camera 6K Pro. It's such a, a long name BMPCC 6K Pro, yeah. Oh, gosh, <laughs> such a long name. But it is a really, really nice cinema camera. Um, I did a review for Hands-On Tech, our, our consumer, you know, pretty much our tech review uh, show, Hands-On Tech, twit.tv slash hot, H-O-T for Hands-On Tech. Uh, and I was I was excited to review this camera because I actually use a Pocket 6K, their cinema camera, not the Pro. I got their old 6K, and I old. absolutely. I mean, love it's it. not
0: that old, is it? I mean, it, it came out a year ago. Is that it?
1: Oh, oh yeah. Well, I sh- yeah, I shouldn't say that. it's two years old. Okay, <laughs> it's two years old, but it's um. It's not quite there from the, the pro standpoint because it doesn't have the ND filters that the pro has already built in. Uh, the ergonomics are just a little bit better on the pro. It's just, it's a really, really nice camera for the, the pricing of $2,500 and you're still getting cinema, cinema quality, uh, video out of it and it shoots raw right out the gate. So B-Raw already built in, you get, uh, DaVinci resolve the, uh, uh, video editing software for free when you purchase these cameras. So that's another added value. And I, I I absolutely love that camera. I'm a Canon guy, but I love my Blackmagic uh, cinema camera that I use as a glorified, uh, webcam.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I, I'm still using a little Logitech camera here. I really need to up my game, but, um, You know, so uh, the B-RAW right out the gate and actually uh, Panasonic, by the way, I just did a firmware announcement that they're going to have the Blackmagic RAW format supported um, on a number of their S-series cameras. Uh, I think July 12th is when that firmware drops.
1: That's going to be awesome.
0: That's going to be (laughs) awesome. Now, of course, that's not recorded internally.
1: Right. Um, You have to do it on an Atmos or... or a uh, video assist, correct?
0: This is where I'm segueing into my pick of the week. Uh, <laughs> of course, uh, my uh, Atomos N- uh, Ninja V does not uh, record uh, the, the Blackmagic RAW formats, but it does record Apple ProRes RAW. Um, and I made this a pick nearly a hundred episodes ago. I looked it up, um, but it it's one of those things that bears repeating because it is so functional for some of the work that I do. Um, Without going into specifics that I can't necessarily talk about, uh, I use it periodically for documentary film projects that often have me under a non-disclosure agreement. So mm-hmm. I can't tell you what I'm shooting, mm-hmm. uh, but I can tell you that I am delivering Apple ProRes RAW uh, 5.9K video from a uh, Lumix S1H, and uh, it would not be possible without that device. It's not just the fact that it's an external recorder. It's also an external monitor. monitor. Uh, So the camera is often in a slightly different location than where I need to be looking on a bigger screen. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've got the ability to to pull up waveforms or any other visualization of how bright things are. Uh, And uh, there's so much functionality within that that makes me get the shot, which I would have otherwise missed. and they ha- they now have the the Ninja V Plus, which I haven't uh, gotten my hands on. It'll do 8K recording or uh, 4K 120 frames per second on certain cameras, depending on what hardware you've got. No benefit to me right now uh, to to go you know up the chain to, to get the the new one. But mm-hmm. they're they're not that expensive overall. I mean, yeah, you know. It, Funny thing is, I probably paid more for the media for the device and the the oh. batteries uh, than than the device itself because yeah. some of those instruments <laughs> can can get a little bit a little bit expensive. Um, yeah.
1: And that's one of the things I like about the Blackmagic is I could buy a Samsung T5 SSD a lot cheaper per gigabyte for recording media to it versus well,
0: exactly right uh so i've got the uh the, the mini ssds uh from sony i've got a two terabyte mini ssd i don't i don't even want to remember what i paid for that um <laughs> but i just looked it up in canada anyhow uh the ninja v is uh 800 from henry's in the u.s it's probably uh, it's a couple same hundred price. less yeah. um but uh for what it is and what it does, and its ability to just improve my workflow, it paid for itself the first time I needed it. Um, otherwise, I might not have gotten the the gig that required the type of footage that it allowed me to record. And it is still proving its worth to me every time I need to shoot video yeah. uh, for any project, uh, yeah. whether it's uh, you know an instructional video that I'm shooting where I'm uh, you know on screen, I can actually have it just out of frame. So that I can double check my exposure, my focus, and everything before I look at the camera and start rambling. Uh, and and there's a lot to be said for having that so close, especially if I'm you know trying to be further away from the camera <laughs> and I'm in situ in, in some scenario. Anyhow, the Atmos Ninja V uh, or Ninja Five—I don't know what you want to call it—but it's labeled as a V—is uh, yeah. <laughs> is my pick of the week. Uh, the rare occasion where a pick doubles up, but um, there you have it. Um, That, uh, that kind of winds me down, uh, for the day and, uh, and thank you to everybody that's been listening. I will say that there has been a spike in listeners in the last little while, and I don't know why, uh, our regular average listener per episode is, uh, or or per week, uh, is around 3,500 listeners. And thank you to everybody that's been listening for however long you have been. Um, that number nearly doubled in the last two weeks and I don't know why, Uh, That's awesome. I mean, well, thank you, and I appreciate all of the new listeners. But if you are a new listener to this podcast, I would love to know how you found out about it. Simply because I don't know how you found out about it, uh, <laughs> and I'd like to. I don't know if I've got to thank somebody uh, or if I've got to establish some stronger relationships with particular entities in the uh, the <laughs> podcasting or photography industry. But um, let me know where you found out about this show, and uh, and I will. Uh, I'll be grateful. For that. And uh, you're going
1: to put an offering up to the algorithm gods. (laughs) Yeah,
0: exactly. (laughs) Um, Well, speaking of that, too, and I I wasn't going to drone on about it too much, but um, if anybody has received a copy of my new book, digital or in physical, it would be great if you could leave a review on amazon i'll put a link in the show notes at photogeekweekly.com there have been a few people that have left less than five star reviews um one person was claiming that they really wished it was a physical edition uh not knowing i <laughs> guess that that exists too uh although i'm not listing it on amazon as a physical edition until i'm done through all of my pre-orders because amazon wants you to ship stuff out right away and i'm of still course. shipping out as as much as i can every day to get those pre-orders out the door um but if you can go to amazon Uh, and leave a positive review Um, that makes a world of difference in the discoverability of that book and while you're at it if you're writing me positive reviews i mean you might as well write one about photo geek weekly on itunes or anywhere else um and uh you would i would be forever uh in your in your debt and you would have my gratitude um because hey you know spread the the good word I guess about the stuff that I'm doing if you listen to this show I thank you very much for doing so probably means you're a photo geek and I'm still only halfway vaccinated at this point so at least for myself it's time to stay in and shoot